Hey everyone, it's Jay Stone, your host as always of both Laugh the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We are up to episode 47 and counting. We've got a few more coming before the end of the year. And then who knows, it seems like the pandemic's not going anywhere, so we'll just keep on rolling. Uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to wherever you find this podcast in whatever format, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're on iTunes or iHeartRadio or some other platform. Make sure you like us. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you subscribe to us. And hey, uh, maybe leave us a comment. We actually like them. The dopamine's a good thing. Uh, we've also got some things happening on the actual Dying Scene website front. Stay tuned for that. But let's just say that reports of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. If you're interested in joining the Dying Scene team, get a hold of one of us. You know where to find us on Instagram or Twitter or send an email to jay at dyingscene.com and uh, maybe we'll have you join the team. Uh, but now it's episode 47 of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. Uh, our guest this time is Jesse Ahern. He's a singer-songwriter from the greater Boston area, specifically from the mean streets of Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, it's coming up right after the intro music, which, as always, is by my favorite band of the year, Kali Masi. Stay tuned. Catch you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We are up to episode 47 so far on this show because the pandemic isn't going away. Uh, and this is going to be a cool episode. Uh, so far on this show, we've talked to guests from everywhere from the Pacific Northwest to Southern California, from Portland, Maine to Gainesville, Florida. We've talked to people from five different foreign countries uh, South Africa, Germany, Serbia, Austria, and China, if you're filling out the bingo sheet at home. Uh, but this week, we're staying close to home uh, from sort of my theoretical old stomping grounds, the areas of around Quincy and Dorchester, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, the recently Boston Music Award nominated Mr. Jesse Ahern. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. How are you? We're live on Zoom TV, huh? We are live <laughs> on Zoom TV. This is this is the state <laughs> of the world now. That's I, good. That's good. I, uh, I'm, I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happy to do this. It's nice to, it's nice to talk to people from all over the place, but it's also nice to talk to people from home and I don't have to dig for my connections to wherever like Pittsburgh or Pacific Northwest is like, Oh, I worked in Quincy and I lived in Dorchester for a long time. And my mom's from Dorchester and I, you know, that's, it's my old stomping ground. So this is good. It feels like homey. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's an honor and privilege, man, to speak with you. Um, Dying Scene is definitely a, a great publication. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to do it. And I've been listening and, it, and it's really cool, man. You, you do a good job of what you do. You know, I, I think I met you a number of years ago when I was playing in um, uh, Bright Music Hall. I think that was yeah, maybe at a Rex the Hall show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was one of the first times I met you. And I, I around a million times you know i mean you, you right. see you everywhere so it's it, it, it it's a it's a pleasure trust me I'm, I'm happy to do it i i never know i mean it's a little different now doing this show and people can see you but i never know 
when I'm out and about, if I'm taking pictures at a show, who actually knows who I am and whatever. And I keep a low profile mostly that way. I keep my head down and take pictures. And so I was just uh, shooting the Bouncing Souls face-to-face Lenny Lashley show this weekend. And Lenny came up to me after he played and put his arm on me and it took a second. Like I've known Lenny for a decade or so anyway. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I Because I, I just, especially now, being out and about during the pandemic and everybody's got masks on and whatever it's never it still takes me a second to process because i usually just have my head down take my pictures and stand on the back because i'm an old punk rock guy <laughs> yeah how old are you anyhow uh 42 just turned 42 a similar in age I, I turn actually i'll be 44 next week so oh wow we're not, happy early we're not, birthday thank you i appreciate it so yeah yeah no i mean like I said, I've seen you around a whole bunch of times. And then when was your first show so far in the pandemic? Which- so the first one, actually, I think Michael Kane from Michael Kane in the Morning Afters, a great Quinn, uh, Worcester-based rock and roll band. I think Michael was the first one that I had on. It was probably April of last year. Um, maybe when we started doing the actual show. Yeah. That's, I Actually, you know what? I saw that one. It was on Instagram Live, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. I definitely tuned in. And I, I love Michael. He's a good guy. Great band. And um, I think he's putting out an album pretty soon himself, right? Yeah, we uh, we were talking about that album a year and a half ago when this whole thing started. <laughs> and that's that's the slow moving wheels of the music industry. If you're not Adele, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I, hopefully it's worth the wait. I'm sure it is. You know, um, I think so. I like what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he's put out what two songs or something I think like so. that. Yeah. Both are great songs. The last one you put out is really good. I, I really dig it. Um, well, maybe to do some shows with them this spring. I'd, I'd like to um, maybe get together with him and do a few small barroom shows, I guess we'll call them, right? Or even, who knows, something better than that. But um, it's great. You know, I just, it's good. It's good to be talking to anyone related to music, right? Yeah, it's, right. <laughs> yeah, especially so. when you're at home and you've got kids. I know you've your little one turns two and, like, in very short order or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thursday turns to, oh. and let me apologize in advance. Anyway, <laughs> three kids, three kids, I got a dog and a cat and they're all up and it should be crazy in here within the next hour, but it's all right. You know, That's like great. when I'm, this is cool. Cause I'm in my room, which I turned into my studio as well. So it's like when I'm in here, no one really bothers me. Occasionally I might get the dog, clawing at the door to get away from the kids or one of the kids comes and crying, you know, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all relevant. You know I mean? It's fun. It's, it's good, the nature like. of the beast nowadays. Yeah, oh yeah. You have a child too, correct? Yeah. She'll be, she'll be 14 in a couple of weeks, which is, oh, wow. which is bizarre. I mean, it's awesome. She's, she's like the best kid in the world. I know everybody says that about their kids or whatever, but she's at, like, she's a good kid. She's mostly pretty easy. She's chill. She's, she'll come to shows with us and just stand and hang out. And she's probably gotten a little uh, spoiled if you can be spoiled going to punk rock shows, but like, you know, she, like at the bouncing souls face to face show, she got to be in the VIP area. Cause I've known both of those bands forever. Uh, and so she gets to go to punk rock shows, but like sit in the cushy chairs upstairs and kind of away from it. And so she's sort of like adjacent to it, but she knows it's cool. Cause it's, my world but uh yeah it's it's pretty awesome so so i can't imagine having three kids at those very different uh 
age brackets during a pandemic. That's got to make you pull your hair out. <laughs> I, I shouldn't take much credit. My, my wife is the one who uh, keeps it all together. You know, she's like the glue that holds everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'm actually the fourth child of the. You know, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's watching us all. She's good. I mean, <laughs> I, my, my son's going to be 14, too, in um, January. Yeah, that's same thing. My daughter, January fifth, will be fourteen. Oh, really? Yeah. Like my son, January seventh, kill me. So two days. Yeah, January seventh. Wow. Yeah. Actually, if he was born a day later, or maybe it was two days later, it's January eighth, seventh. I don't know. He'll kill me. But um, he would have been Elvis because he was supposed to be born on Elvis's birthday. But... Oh, okay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my daughter was actually. She was born late, so she was actually due at the end of 2007, and wow. it's considered like a tax break for the full year. If you have a kid at any point during the year, it's considered yeah. you know, like you get the the tax write-off essentially for the year, and she mm-hmm. held on five days into the new year, <laughs> yeah. wow. which is things you don't think about until you're a parent. <laughs> no, isn't it true? I know. It's a good old tax break. Right. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it has been a pandemic. It has been strange. Like, what was the first live show you went out to? The first show that I went back to was also Bouncing Souls at the House of Blues, that big benefit for Stu, uh, which had all of the bands <laughs> play that. And it was weird. I'll tell you, it was weird. I mean, I've been going to House of Blues shows, obviously, since it's been House of Blues, but obviously well before yeah. it was House of Blues, too. I've seen Bouncing Souls a million times. And it was weird to be back in a room of 2,200 people unmasked and all that close to each other and sweaty. And like it got easier as the night went on. But just it was a little bit of sensory overload for a while um, because we had been at home for 15 months or whatever at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And just to think we thought we were out of it at that point. Right. I mean, I mean. It was looking pretty good and you know everyone was happy and everyone was getting out and then bam went back in the same spot which i mean i guess we're not in the same spot but we're we're, we're still pretty deep in this thing you know and yeah i hope that we're in a better spot because i yeah. think i know a lot of people have been vaccinated i know a lot of people haven't been but i know a lot of people have been vaccinated and i think that sort of takes the edge off that even if numbers even if the total caseload goes back up which it seems like it's going back up, especially around here. Uh, I think that we might be, I don't think that the hospitalization rate and the death rates will go up like they were a year ago. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, because I got some stuff coming up in 2022. <laughs> right. Well, so I mean, let, I- let's start there, actually. So that's kind of where I start most episodes um, is by talking about, because really the origin of doing this show was to talk to people who, were shutting plans down essentially during 2020 and to figure out what they were doing to sort of stay connected and stay artistic and whatever. So what would uh, 2020 have looked like for you if the world hadn't shut down? I know you had just done the um, Dropkick Frank Turner tour in Europe a little bit before the world shut down. Was there any semblance or any sense while you guys were over there that shit was getting kind of weird? Because it feels like you made it back home maybe a couple of weeks before all hell broke loose oh yeah it was crazy like you know it seemed like we were just ahead of it you know during the whole the whole tour you know in the beginning of the tour it didn't really seem like anyone was really talking about it by the end 
we knew it was it was right behind us, you know. Yeah. So we were back maybe not even two weeks when they um, they uh, said that Milan was like a hot spot, which we were in Milan. We did a show in Milan, and we had a day off in Milan too. So <laughs> we Jeez. Were in the yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, they didn't have any tests then, but I, you know, I had had COVID after that, so I'd assume I didn't get it over there. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my year was looking pretty good. You know, I was over in Europe and um, having a great tour, and you know, um, a couple of things, one thing led to another, and then you know, um, some people made some contacts for me, and then I was going to be on tour with Chuck Reg in, in in November of that year, and then right before we came home. I was announced on the Dropkicks Rancid tour and, and the Jerry Cinnamon as well. And, um, yep. you know, so when things shut down, I mean, yeah, it, it, it kind of, it sucked, but it sucked for everybody. Right. So, right. you know, like I effective and, um, I don't know, it took me a little while to get back into the swing of things, but I kind of jumped into the studio and just started making music, you know, and, and that's all I know how to do when I'm in that sort of mood anyway. So it's like, it was pretty therapeutic for me to say the least. So, I mean, I think I went right in the studio and I, and I did some things with some local musicians and, and it was pretty cool because we, we all were in the studio, but we were like socially distanced in another room to mask yeah. up. To yeah. And then obviously we didn't do that during the shutdown, but I'm saying like, you know, afterwards and um, yeah, I still made music, but yeah, my 20, my 2020 was looking pretty good, you know, and, I had a couple of tours that were on the book and I was talking to um, a few other people, maybe one more tour out of that, you know, like everybody else. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I learned to trade when I was younger so I can come home and work, you know, and yeah. not, not, not everyone's that lucky. I mean, you know, so. Did, know, you, did you do yeah. that thing where you sort of, like, I know, especially the early days of the pandemic for a while, it seemed they told us, you know, two weeks, stay, stay home. And then things will open back up. So it seemed like, okay, maybe April things will open up. And then it seemed like, okay, maybe June things will open back up. And then it was like, okay, maybe September, <laughs> like how, at what point did you sort of throw in the towel and say, look, 2020 is not happening. Like how deep into it did you get before you realized that? Yeah. Touring and whatever, as we know, it isn't going to happen for a while pretty early on because, you know, like I said, I, you know, I've developed a relationship with, you know, some of the guys in, in the dropkick Murphy's and, um, you know, I was in, in, in talks with one of them and, and, you know, he's, he's in the business, right. That That's his business. Right. And, and right. you know, he was pretty blunt about it. And, you know, I, I don't think he had high hopes at all, really, to be honest yeah. with you. And, yeah. And, you know, you started seeing that domino effect happen to all these bands, you know, so I just happened to know someone that was going through it to that, to that extent. And, you know, so I, I kind of, I knew, I knew the goose was cooked. Right. I mean, I didn't think, um, 2020 was going to happen at all. I would say probably when they canceled the, um, the dropkick rancid Jerry cinnamon tour, I, I, I figured, Oh, maybe September. And then once the summer came, I mean, we knew it, you know, just with everything going on in the world, not just the pandemic. It oh, just sure. seem, yeah. But I, I would have actually. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say. I would have erased that year because look at the end of twenty twenty for me was great. I was in the row with Frank Turner. Yeah, stuff. right. So I'd be a real asshole to say I wish I could erase twenty twenty. But yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, 
I, I, if you didn't feel some effect of that, then I don't know, you know, because I mean, I, I definitely felt the big effect of that. I'm sure you did too. And we know so many people that hit hard times, you know, businesses. And, yeah. So, and, and working in the, uh, even tangentially in the uh, addiction treatment field, I mean, obviously those services for a lot of people went away. Uh, homeless shelters closed, as we know. Um, the situation in Boston got exponentially worse than it's been for a long time. And, and a lot of those services for those people, it's tough to like, if you have the means, you can pivot to doing telehealth services or whatever, right? You can do uh, AA meetings on your phone or on your laptop or whatever. If you're an unhoused person, if you don't have much in the way of uh, resources, you're shit out of luck, really. And so, and those were the services that got shut down and I think affected the most. So mm -hmm. the people who work in, so obviously people who work in the music industry, the live music industry, especially like they knew right off the rip that those jobs weren't going to come back for a while. Right. Some of us were lucky to have jobs still, but we, we never saw a dip in um, the amount of people who needed services, right. There's more people were at home. They were drinking more. Every commercial you watched on TV was like, it's Margarita clock or whatever. And so like, that became our problem. The problems on our little end got exponentially worse instead of better and easier. So it's, it's been a, it's been a weird time. <laughs> oh yeah. It's got to be hard to see all that too. You know, you, like you said, you've been in the field for a long time and I mean, it's not easy to begin with to be in that field. Right. right. And the right. top of it. And then, you know, and, and I'm not casting a cloud over the pandemic, me taking anything away from it, but those are the people that got left behind because like, you know, a lot of people died taking their own life, took, they take their own lives or, you know, died from abuse and all these other, you know, traumatic things that happened due to alcoholism or drug addiction. Right. And we don't hear anything about it, you know, right. and there's people right. still trying to get this thing going. And yeah, it was really hard, you know, and, and, it's, it's hard to see people struggle in, in any, any, any light, but yeah, that, that definitely was um, a hard one, you know, seeing people out the street, you know, going down Mass Ave and, you know, that, I mean, it's crazy to see all the tents and all the homeless people and all, you know, it's just. Yeah. If anybody is listening from outside of the, we'll probably get a lot of people from the Boston area that listen to this. And so they know the Mass Ave area pretty well. If people are not from this area, Mass Ave is in some ways, it's one of the gateways really to, uh, Boston, right? It's an, there's an exit right off the highway, um, which I don't even know what number it is now that they changed all the exit numbers, but it's an exit right off the highway. It's right near Boston University Medical Center. And it's sort of like the dividing line between Southie and Dorchester. And if you've listened to Dropkick Murphy songs or Street Dog songs, you know those areas. Uh, and it, it has always been, it's always been an area that's drawn a lot of people who were unhoused because there's a lot of methadone programs there. There's a lot of social services there. So people gather in those spots. And the last four or five years, especially, it has the population there has boomed for a variety of reasons that we don't have to get into here, but especially during the pandemic. When I tell people how bad it looks down there with the amount of tents, with the amount of people just in the streets, 
it's it's tough to actually put it into words what it looks like especially it's an area that's never been great right but it is exponentially worse than anything else you can picture i've never seen anything like it in this country to be honest with you it's like it's like if you'd watch anthony bourdain in years past and he'd go to a place that was a real impoverished nation and there's there's people living in tents and people just like in the street because that's what it's i mean it's not unlike that except it's right in like the gateway to Boston, if you're taking the highway, it's, it, it's bizarre. It is bizarre. It's, it's, it's very sad. I, I unfortunately, in this, in this point of my life, I try to avoid going down that way. You know? Yeah. Yep. You hate to say that, you know, and, and I can't avoid it. I have to do that. I have to go that way a lot of times when going into town, but you know, it's, my heart goes out to anyone that's struggling, you know, and, and if there is anyone listening or I mean, not listening, but when they, when you rebroadcast this or however anyone listens, you know, I'm always there to help. Right. So they can always be, there's always people that are in the field, you know, or people that are in recovery, you know, I'm in recovery and, and I'm always willing to help, you know, and that's been, that's been a thing in our scene. That really kind of caught me by surprise, maybe even the last, I don't know, maybe the last 10 years or so. But the amount of people in our scene, not just in the punk rock scene, but even specifically in like the Boston area punk rock scene, there's a lot of sober people. There's a lot of people that go to meetings. There's a lot of people that represent being in recovery. There's And that I feel like wasn't a thing. And maybe social media plays a little bit of a part in that. But that I feel like wasn't necessarily a thing. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or when we were kids listening to punk rock, that like there was the straight edge scene, but that's different than people who have fallen back, fallen down and gotten back up and gotten in recovery and things like that. That there's a really, I think, interesting recovery community in the punk rock and music communities, especially around here. Oh yeah, it's great in Boston. It's good. It's Boston recovery is good anyway. It's it's some of the best I've, you know, I've I've been around a little bit and you know, like you said, there's a lot of people and there's always people out there to help. So we got that going for us. It's a good thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it, 2020, man. It was it was tough. And 2021. Let's get on 2021. <laughs> well, right. 2021. Most of it hasn't been a picnic necessarily either, but things have opened up a little bit. What What was your first show back out playing? I know you did a couple of like live streams, especially with Lenny and uh Lenny Lashley is who I'm referencing. I don't remember if we talked about him while we were recording or before, but Lenny Lashley is an old pal of both of ours. Speaking of people in recovery. Uh, and I know you did, you guys have been pretty close and did a few shows together, but what was your first show back out playing in front of people, not just in front of a Instagram screen? <laughs> a show. Jeez. I don't even know. Um, it was just in September. I think that was my first show back. Let me think. I did a live, I did two live streams, which, you know, were, were live streams. I'm not going to yeah. play them other than that. I mean, they were great, you know, like Heather, who um, run, was running the mid, I think she's booking the midway now, and she was running a live stream. Um, Tiny Oak booking, yep. I think. Yep, that sounds right. Does a great job. So I don't want to, like, downplay the live stream. It's great. It's still pretty cool as far as I'm concerned. And um, But on um, the first live show I did back, so I, I played up in Guilford um, at the uh, Berkeley to Boston tour, or Boston to Berkeley, I think it is, right? And um, 
I did like the side stage, which, you know, was, it was a side stage. I'm not, you know, going to say anything different. You know, I mean, there wasn't that many people there, but it was cool. I got out, warmed up. And then I played Worcester the next night on the main stage. And it was like night and day, you know, <laughs> it was like, I don't know. There must've been a couple of people in there when I played. So yeah, it was pretty wild to go from like, you know, a live stream. Yeah. You know, especially being on the stage with, you know, the Dropkick Murphys, um, the Bronx, and Rancy, and this the little old bulky me. Right? No pressure. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, I, I didn't know. I was pretty nervous, to be honest with you, when I went back up there. I mean, even in 2020, when we were first talking about me going out that tour, I was like, oh, man, where am I going to fit in on this bill? But surprisingly, I did pretty well, you know, and, um, you know, I that was a good show. I had a fun time, and I was pretty loose. You know, and I'm not always that loose when I'm playing. Sometimes I, I might take myself a little too serious. Um, <laughs> and I and I was loose and I was feeling it. It was great. And then I didn't play anything else for another couple of weeks. And then I went down and I went out to the Midwest and did a couple of shows and then went down south and did a few shows. And um, they went great, man. What I mean, you know, I'm blessed. I've been blessed with a lot of good shows over the last few years. And um I mean, I, you couldn't ask to go out with any better, you know, with better bands, right? right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, that's as good as it gets. So, like, I don't know. Like, I really maybe, like, you know, let's rewind a little and say 2021 wasn't all that bad. But, yeah, right. I mean, you know, which I, it took a lot of 2021 to make make a new album. And, um, you know, I went out with some incredible bands and, you know, just made some more incredible contacts and, um, you know, just riding this thing. Right. You know, like I don't have high expectations, but it's also nice to know that, you know, I've, I've done some of the things I've done. Right. You know, I'm not getting any younger and, um, I got three kids, I got right. a wife, I got right. a cat and, um, <laughs> I got a mortgage and I have all that stuff, but I don't know, man. I got balance in my life and, and maybe 2020 showed me a little bit more of that, you know, like it was hard, but like I was forced to take a step back and say, you know, this is all out of my control, right? Everything's out. It's all out of, it's out of my control. So like, why not just take a step back and enjoy where I'm at, you know? And so yeah, getting, getting on, getting on to it. Like, yeah, 2021 was great. I had a grand all time making an album and um i had a great time playing those shows and you know i think i think i got a good year ahead of me now so it's like i got my health i don't know what i have to complain about right <laughs> yeah, right right yeah no so like 2021 but also 2020 2021 was like a roller coaster because you know that tour happened and i wasn't initially you know when they when they announced that show that tour i mean i didn't make the cut because of restrictions and you know whatever i it, it's none of my business uh, but i didn't make the cut and then i got put on a few shows so it's like it was pretty cool you know because i went from like being like wow i'm gonna play with rancid like i love rancid since i've been you know ninth grade yeah right but like this is amazing like this is crazy like my friends would call me like are you really playing with rancid like i mean i've played with the drop kicks a lot so like I mean, I used to get that a lot too when I first saw going of them, you know, and and, um, and I was like pretty taken back myself. And um, and then all of a sudden I didn't think I was going to be on that tour. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer, but whatever, you know. And so it was like a roller 
2021 was definitely a ride, but it was good. Yeah, and, and I think around here, I mean, everybody, it seems like everybody is sort of one or two degrees removed from the drop kicks from somebody <laughs> in the drop kicks camp. So, so when you talk about drop kicks, like, yeah, it's cool. But then it's like, everybody's got their connections, whether it's to old lineups or new lineups or whatever, or, uh, but then rancid is like, Whoa. <laughs> that was pretty wild, man. It was, it was cool. You know, to say the least. Cause I, I, you know, I, I remember when I was in Europe, and I was talking to someone about it, and I, I didn't have any expectations. I was like, yeah, sure, throw me in there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was almost embarrassed to be like, yeah, sure, that's great. You know, like I said, I'm just this little, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a folky, really. I mean, you know, whatever. I, 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 I own what I, whatever, whatever. I don't know. But, um, and then, you know, when I actually got put on, I was like, I was kind of blown away by that, you know, and, but, Everything that goes up must come down too, right? <laughs> so, so you know, it was good. I had, like I said, the the, the shows and um, the four four or five shows I did in September were great. You know, and uh, Nashville was awesome. I had a great time in Nashville. Atlanta was great, and um, out the Midwest was great. I got to play with the mighty Boston's. You know, pretty, pretty awesome thing. No matter where you're from, yeah. Yeah, I would say so, right? I mean, you and I are from the same age group, right? right. So, I mean, you naming all these bands is like, that's what we grew up on, you know, amongst so many other things. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm all over the map with music. but Yeah, but they were, they were the band, really, from, uh, at least from around here, that, that we had that sort of resonated nationally until Dropkicks came along. But, you know, mm -hmm. obviously the Boston's were doing it well before the Dropkicks were, but. Yeah, that's they were the band, and it seems like like they had the big hit, obviously with the Let's Face It album. But it seems like they were we kind of knew who they were before that nationally. They did the whole thing, and they were in Clueless or whatever. So they were it, they were like the band you could hang your hat on. That like oh they were from Boston. I know there are obviously a million other punk rock bands and hardcore bands from this area, but the Boston's were like the one who who started the scene really. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're they're a great band. It was cool to see them. Um, I've seen them in a long time. You know, I don't even remember the last time I saw them up until then. I oh, you know, I shouldn't lie. I think I went in a few years ago when Lenny Lenny might have did like a song in one of their sets. But oh, he did Bricklayer or something. I think yeah. Yeah, I think that must have been like maybe it was 2018 or something like that. It was probably the last time. You know, I I, I remember like going to um when they first started doing what was it the Throwdown? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I, you know, that on my new album, I have a song. It's called uh, oh, "Just a Moment," right? And I talk the very about, first song. Yep, yep. Yeah, I talk about standing in line and waiting for tickets, and it's just like just saying that just like brought me back. Like, that's kind of where that inspiration came from. That song, you know, like those good old days of like you know having a wristband and waiting for a ticket, or you yeah. know, for an album to come out, or. You know, even a video would come from the video. Like, remember waiting yeah. for like Beastie Boys videos? <laughs> it's funny you saying that. Just you saying that. I had this very specific image of waiting to get into the Middle East and go upstairs just to buy tickets for a hometown throwdown, which must yeah. have been probably, I don't know, 97 or 98. It was like the third or fourth hometown throwdown. I have a very specific image of walking in my head of walking into like the office 
somewhere buried in the back upstairs at the Middle East just to buy a ticket. So that meant getting on the train, going down to Central Square, like hopping trains, going down to Central Square just to stand in line, just to buy tickets to a show that wasn't going to be for like five months or whatever it was. They got, you know, people don't even have ticket stubs anymore. I was like, I was talking to my kid who, you know, we were just talking about, you know, you're talking about your dog being spoiled. My son's the same way he's spoiled from now. So many shows he's been to, you know, and there's not even any ticket stubs anymore. You right. have this like print down. Oh, it's on my phone, my app. You yep. know, <laughs> I was looking through my ticket stubs not too long ago, and I, and I don't really hoard too many of them, but I've got a specific few that you know I I keep that I you know they're in a bag, and I look once in a while. I, go, I can't believe I went to that show. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but you know, I mean, I guess I don't know. You know, there's always some like to be shine you know it's like it, it's so easy to get music now right i mean it's like a it's a bad thing and it's a good thing you know it's like kind of like an overload right but it's also you know um i saw that you um a couple of weeks ago maybe it was a month ago i don't know you mentioned um morgan wade because you went and saw uh, with this arrow yeah yeah oh and like i just kept i happened to stumble across her on spotify you know and and i and I thought she was pretty good. And then, you know, I, I was checking her out. I was like following her on the Instagram, like yeah, we all yeah. do. Yeah. And next, you know, she's opening up the bands, you know, that I really like. <laughs> you know? it's like and I think she's got a bunch more. I think she's doing like stadium shows with like, I know very little of the modern sort of pop country world. Yeah. That's that's not my thing. But no. from what I understand, she's opening a handful of stadium shows. I know I think she's playing with, Jason Isbell for a couple shows, which I mean, everybody yeah. likes Jason Isbell, but uh, I think there's some, there's some country guy. The name doesn't mean anything to me, so I don't know, but like football stadium size shows that she's opening up next year. That's wild. But it seems like she's had that in her, like she's got that thing. Yeah, I guess so. Because like, you know, like half a year ago when I first started kind of like checking her out, I mean, she was definitely, you know, making some waves. And then all of a sudden she went out with Sarah. And the next thing you know, like I, you know, I go by, you know, scrolling through the Instagram and I go by her page. And like you said, she's open up. I know nothing about pop country either. Like, yeah. I like Jason Isbell's probably like the furthest into that realm of that. Yeah. That, you know, like, and, and I mean, he's great. I mean, I yeah. don't even, I'm in that realm, but a lot of people will dance in that same, uh, <laughs> same genre. Right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, it, she's really cool. And, like, you know, like, all these people I have found over the last couple of years through streaming, and I hate it, you know. I mean, and, and I mean, I'm not anything big, but I took my music all down off the streaming sites for a while because I just, like, something in me was really just bummed out about it. But it's just, like, uh, it's just a necessary evil at this point. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the other side of that coin is that especially now if vinyl is going to take a year to press, like that's how people are going to hear your music unless they already own it. So it, it's, I can see where people in your situation struggle with that sort of, like which is better, the sort of artistic integrity side or the just getting people to hear your music. And then on my side, we get this thing where like you can, I can stream music. I don't usually use Spotify and all those things. I like mm -hmm. to buy, buy music and download it and put it on my phone and whatever. But, but then I get this thing where 
there's somebody that I think is really good. And I think that because I think somebody is really good, well, everybody must think that they're really good because who am I? Like, and then you realize that because there's so much music out there now, I might've just stumbled upon the right thing at the right time. So I like that, the band we were talking about the band weekend friends earlier. I think that band is phenomenal. And I Mm. think their new album is great. And they've got like, I, I hate that this is even a barometer, but they've got like 6,000 fans on Facebook. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. but that band seems really good. They should have a lot more than that. But then you look at a band, like whether it's pop country or some of the weird, like the weird screamo stuff that came out of like 10 years ago, that those mm-hmm. bands have millions of followers. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, a, I've never heard of them and they're sort of related to my scene and B, I don't understand it at all. And then you feel like an old guy. Yeah, I feel like an old guy all the time. Though I didn't that because my son went out to see Bob Dylan, which I thought was pretty cool. He's That's awesome. Like, yeah, I, you know, it's cool. I don't, I don't really try to influence him on music. I mean, I play so much music in the house that I'm sure, like, whatever I'm doing is rubbing off on. But he's, he's got his own vibe. You know, he's like hip hop and uh, loves hardcore and like loves punk rock and. He's got his own thing going on, but I always feel like an old guy when he's talking about certain things, you know, like, and he's got a real eclectic look yeah. at music. You know, like he likes Bob Dylan and likes like some, you know, blues and folk and old country, you know, you'll hear him playing like Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and like, you know, and then next thing you know, he's playing the Wu-Tang Clan and Minor Threat, right? So that's, it's like, that's pretty awesome. It is pretty cool. I mean, I was thinking about it too. Like, I mean, originally, like, I, I think the first cassette I ever bought was um, maybe Public Enemy and the story of the clash were like the, you know, because like I grew up, like my mother was like, you know, in my house growing up, it was like when music started sounding cool to me, which is very young, my mother was listening to like U2, the Dylan, Springsteen, you know, some other stuff that I know, I know, I don't really remember now, the Rolling Stones, maybe. And then, like, when I was able to go out and get my own stuff, I, I started listening to like Public Enemy, Run DMC, right? And then, then it went from like that to like um, The Clash, you know, uh, The Sex Pistols. And then it's just like, it seems like it's like that for most, most people who really love music, right? You find one that you really love, but if you really like music, you'll roll around in the, in the bushes. For a while. <laughs> yeah. And, and you do have to learn to go backwards. Like, cause we grew up, I mean, obviously we're about the same age. So we grew up after the Sex Pistols, after the Ramones were really in their heyday, after the class were really in their heyday. Although I do remember, I was thinking about this the other day, one of the first videos that I remember seeing on MTV was the Clashes Rock the Casbah. And I remember, oh, yeah. like, I can't necessarily remember what else I would have seen around that time, but I, I have a, specific memory around like the old tv tray because like like the stand that my parents tv was on we had the slide cable box thing you know Mm -hmm. like because you only had 36 channels or whatever it was if you were lucky and i so i can picture them running around in the desert in the oil rig and and mick dressed up in like the caftan or whatever it's called and i remember going that's really cool i didn't know it was punk rock or whatever and i didn't I didn't know from the clash when I was six years old, but I remember that video. And so it was sort of funny to think back that, wow, all these years later, that band became one of the most important bands in my life, but, but not during the time that they were active, you know? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, where I grew up, I mean, 
you know, I think back now and sometimes go, oh, you know, I don't really like to pay too much homage to where I grew up because I just, it's not my thing anyway. But then I think about it and I go, wow, though, you know, like growing up, the older kids like lived and breathed the clash, right? So like, and you know, you look up to the older kids growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necessarily with punk rock is because a lot of them weren't, but the clash just covered all realms, right? I mean, if you were like, if you, if, as far as I'm concerned, if you don't like the clash, I got an issue with you. I mean, I can go, I, I you know, you can dislike who you want, but I mean, the clash is the clash, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, so like, I, it's kind of funny because that's like my common denominator. Like, you know, it's funny because like, you know, I love punk rock, grew up in punk rock. I've been to a ton of shows, you know, but also like at some point in my life, I, I, I started going down another you know, another um, lane with my music, you know, and I like sing songwriters and I like, um, you know, old country and I like blues. And, and I mean, I think everyone that's a musician might do this to a point, you know, and, but, and then I come full circle and now I'm in my forties and here I am liking all the stuff. Yeah. Still not playing punk rock. It's kind of funny, you know, I'm just a guy with an acoustic, but I don't <laughs> know, man, I do pretty well. And, and, I love it. And, it, you know, and it's it's just funny to think that, I, you know, where, where, where I was at that age and where I am now, it's like it is kind of full circle. Well, and I think that uh, to give yourself credit, if calling yourself punk rock is giving yourself credit, but I think it is because I think that while the music might not be, you know, uh, it, it's not the Ramones, obviously, that you play, but the you're in that group of guys that like you're ethos and your core is punk rock like through and through the way you do mm -hmm. things that the sort of diy nature of things the way that you look at things sort of socially and politically and and looking out for the people that are uh like there's a line in that song heartache and love which is on the new album new album which is part of why we're talking is called <laughs> heartache and love uh digitally it came out in june and and someday it'll come out on vinyl i don't actually know what the date is i don't know if you know what the date is it feels like everything is just in a black hole now but uh but there's a line in that song heartache and love uh which is that advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves that's punk rock right that that's kind of what that's what joe strummer taught us right and so you don't have to play three chords to be punk rock, you know? Very true, you know? And, and uh, yeah, that album does come out. And I think the vinyl will be out in January. So I did a pre-order, which went pretty well. And, and I'm supposed to be getting them, I think I'm getting my vinyl this week or next week, which is crazy. And then it goes out, you know, I'll start sending out the pre-orders and, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, that, it's always nice to hear that. It's like reassuring that, like, sometimes I feel like uh, I have that imposter syndrome, right? Like, I'll be. Oh, don't I'm, we all? <laughs> yeah, of course. And I mean, I guess we all, in some way or form or another, are imposters, right? right. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I got to think back of like when I started, you know, playing out and, and like, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, really. I was playing a lot in the South Shore because they, they paid us money, you know? Like, I remember, like, bringing bands to the Beachcomber before, like, bands went to the Beachcomber. It was, like, mainly cover bands. And there was, like, I always had some sort of Quincy band that was, like, playing the Quincy bars that, like, we got paid. And I would bring, like, musicians in from town, and they would be like, what do you mean I get $500 for the night? <laughs> you know, I'm getting $500. So I'm like, well, this is what happens when – you bring people in and I'm not knocking any of the clubs. I mean, it's just, the, it's the way the ball bounces. Like we're in the South shore. I mean, right. 
And, you know, at some point I started making my way into town and like, you know, I befriended guys like Lenny and, 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 you know, I, it's just kind of funny how I ended up in, in this little racket and I, but I love it. You know, I, I love all the bands I play with and, uh, you know, it's, it is such a good scene, the Boston scene. It can be, it can be kind of like the who knows who, and it can also be really cool and, and really tight knit too. Right. So it's, it's that whole Boston attitude. Really. That's Boston I, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, when I, when I was growing up in Quincy, um, a friend of mine who later on ended up playing drums in a band of mine, he was the drummer for the Dogmatics who were like, you know, they're one of my all time favorite Boston bands, you sure. know, and I, and I, I love that era of Boston music, neighborhoods, Dogmatics, you know, the Del Fuegos, uh, the outlets. The outlets, yep. So like, you know, I kind of like, I probably drift more towards that, but you know, and then. And then the Dropkick Murphys come along and then, you know, all the Boston's come along, you know, and then the Dropkicks and then all these great bands start coming out, you know. Blockbuster. Yeah. Lenny Lashley. I mean, my favorite, my favorite stuff is Lenny and the Piss Poor Boys. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The only bar I've ever been kicked out of in my life is the Cambridgeport Saloon. To, really? To make a Lenny and the Piss Poor Boys reference. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really? legally allowed to be there anyway. I was a kid and we were going to, I was actually just looking this up the other day. I have a list that started in a notebook of all the shows I've ever been to. And now it's in now because uh, whatever, um, it's the computer age. Now it's all in like a Google doc or whatever, but, <laughs> but it, the original notebook is still there. And it was, it just came upon like the 20 something anniversary of that show. It's just a buddy of mine. And I go into a, I forget even what show it was off the top. The Royal Crown Review at the Middle East. If you remember the Royal, for like that that six months or so that Swing came back and was big in like 99. Uh, so that means I was like 20 years old. So I couldn't legally be drinking at the Cambridge Port Saloon anyway. That doesn't mean I wasn't. Sorry, Dad, if you're <laughs> listening. Uh, but yeah, then then that's the one bar I've ever been asked to leave. Really? <laughs> and I love I, I like what, what, telling Lenny that story because uh, you know this obviously some shit went down at the Cambridge Port Saloon over the years, and I ended up getting kicked out, <laughs> like not wow. just for sitting at the bar drinking a Guinness. Wow, wow, that's great. I mean, I, well, that song means something to you. So, oh, you know, absolutely. Every time yeah. Think back and go, hey, I, I mean, I wasn't lucky enough to even go to the Cambridge Port. I always hear that song. Oh, damn! I really wish that I drank at the Cambridge yeah. Port. And, and somewhere along the line in, in, in town, a, in a, a white lie, I've probably told someone, oh, yeah, you know, I'm turning them on the lane. Like, I'm Drake, Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> I, th I think it was I think Lenny actually gave me. My copy of that CD, we met, I don't know, doing we were talking about something years ago, interview wise, before we were doing the podcast thing. This whole thing started because our website crashed. I used to do a lot of interviews but I'd like yeah. to pre pretend that I'm a writer. So I like to write stories and whatever. And then when the website crashed, I couldn't write stories anymore. And then I couldn't go to shows and take pictures. So we started pretending that I, I'm a white guy with a beard who lives in the suburbs. So of course I host a podcast now, uh, mm -hmm. but, but I, it was meeting up with Lenny to do press for something solo related, but it wasn't piss poor boys. I think he gave me my copy of that cd and i remember i said oh cambridge port saloon that's the only place i've ever gotten kicked out of and i will retell him that every now and then when i see him it's uh, very it, you're right it does mean something to me that album means a lot to a lot of people but especially locally but uh yeah that 
<laughs> Fun <laughs> memories. That album actually means a lot to me. And it's funny because I was recording uh, an album with some friends of mine back then in the same place he was recording. So that's kind of how I got to really, I mean, I'd seen Doc Buster, but I, I, I'd never really known much about Lenny doing this, you know, country thing or whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah. I remember like my friend played drums for them as well. My friend, Tommy Long, who, who also played in a band with me, he played drums for, for Lenny and the Piss Poor Boys. And um, he, he once told me like, oh, you got to check out this band. You got to check out this band. I mean, it's great. And I think at the time he wasn't even using a drum kit. He had like a, like a suitcase and like he was doing <laughs> Just really cool. You know, like, I, I mean, I mean, that, that just, that's Lenny in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. That, that album to me is like when I think of Lenny, I think of that album. Like I love Doc Buster, yeah, and I love Doc Buster songs. But when I listen to that album, I'm like, that's the Lenny I know. I feel like it comes right out on that album, you know. Yeah, and I think that he went a long way. I mean, I, I'm probably getting the timeline wrong a little bit, but I think he that album in particular did a lot to sort of open up the punk rock scene to stuff that wasn't traditionally punk rock. I mean, I know there's other guys who've had acoustic guitars and whatever, but, uh, mm. but I, I think that that sort of like, I think that because of Lenny street cred, especially from dark Buster, I feel like that album was so well received by people who write songs and people who make music that it sort of opened the door to a lot of other things to be a little bit more accepted in punk rock. Cause I can remember days when I like, I remember going to a Newbury comics. I grew up in Southern New Hampshire. I grew up in Nashville, New Hampshire. So okay. we didn't really have a scene. We had like six kids who were into punk rock basically. And all the older kids weren't into punk rock. If anything, they were into metal. Like, yeah. cause it was late eighties, early nineties. So they were all into Metallica and white snake and Van Halen mm -hmm. and shit like that. So I can remember going to buy a Bruce Springsteen greatest hits CD at at Newbury Comics and feeling a little embarrassed because I was with like the punk rock kids and Bruce Springsteen mm -hmm. wasn't punk rock. It, now yeah. it, it, he wasn't punk rock when you're a 16 year old kid listening to Guttermouth or whatever. But when mm -hmm. you step back and look at it, it's like, oh, well, no, he definitely like he fits the mold. But I think that guys like Lenny really did a lot to sort of sort of like bring everybody else in from a lot of different worlds. And then, so it became, everything just sort of became punk rock. It was more about your mentality and your work ethic and whatever, and your connection to other people rather than just to play, you know, 180 beats per minute, da -da 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 -da, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I owe him a lot, you know, I, you know, he, he definitely brought me around, you know, I did some shows with him and like people would be coming out, and, you know, they were coming to the shows. I, I was bringing the Quincy. He was doing some shows in Quincy with my band at the time. And um, I was kind of being introduced to more of those people, right? That type of person that like really dug that vibe, right? The acoustic playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uber kind of thing. Right. You know, and, um, and uh, you know, he's a big reason why I probably met some of the people I met, you know, and, and, and it's just like everything just kind of started. I started, you know, meeting more musicians other than kind of, staying in that South Shore bracket, you know, I started playing better places, different clubs, traveling um, regionally, you know, and, and I've done a lot of regional shows with him, but he's a trip, man. I, I love playing with Lenny. I got a show with him this Friday. We'll see, you know, um, I mean, this, this Sunday, oh man, Friday and Sunday, it's a mess up. It's all the same nowadays. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that, you know, and one of the last shows I did before we went to Europe 2020 in the States, we played down in uh, Asbury Park, which you, I know you go down there quite a bit. Of course. Yep. That place awesome. It was one of my favorite places. Yeah. One of my favorite places. Yep. Yeah. It's like some people might not understand this. I don't know. Every time I, I've, I've played down there twice, you know, I've played in Jersey a handful of times. I've played down there twice and, it's just like, it's got a great vibe, man. It's like, no, I don't know. You, you Some of those clubs, even if, like, we played a pretty decent crowd that night, but even one time I played to basically no one. I might have just played to Chris Skell, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a lot more people there than that, but it was like bear and bands, you know, and but it just got a great vibe, right? So. Yeah, it, you feel it when you're there, or, or at least I do, but, like, you feel the sort of energy there. And I know Asbury Park has changed, and I know – if this conversation were happening in 1992 or whatever, yeah. then Asbury Park was a very different place. But I still feel like, like that boardwalk and the Stone Pony and the Asbury Lanes and the convention center. Like I feel you can feel the, like, I don't want to say the ghost of Bruce Springsteen because he's still alive and still goes there all the time. But like it, like you kind of feel it there when you're there. Like, yeah, you know, like it, it's it's almost like a magical place. Absolutely. And I don't even know how we got there. That's pretty good though. Yeah, well, yeah, right? I, <laughs> and there were Lenny, I was the last one I played, you know, him and I do a lot of shows together. I guess what I'm getting, my point is, is like, it's once again, it brings it back to the community of musicians. And like you said, and he did open that door. You know, there was a lot of people that started like mixing after that around here, you know? And um, yeah, man, I, like I said, I, it's like, it doesn't look like I'm going to be stopped. It doesn't look like I'm, you know, I, I, I got a lot of shows coming up, so I'm pretty excited about um, 2022. Because you, you are know. going back to Europe with Chuck Reagan. If it, like that stuff all from 2020 all got bumped to 22, right? With Chuck Reagan and Chris Creswell? Yeah, co correct. Actually, 10 minutes before I got on um, Zoom TV with you, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I, I just confirmed another tour that's going to be pretty fun that, that hopefully it's announced in the next, you know, week or two, I hope. I mean, so that was pretty cool. And then I'm going out with Chuck Reagan, which is like, come on, man. You know, I mean, I, I don't. One of the first conversations I ever had with Chuck, not to bring everything back to Lenny, but because, <laughs> because he knew I was calling him from the Boston area, he said, oh, so you must know my old pal Lenny last year. I was like, <laughs> that, is, that is not a thing I expected to come up in this conversation. He's like, I love that man. I like, he's one of my favorite songwriters and I wish I could do like the Chuck Reagan growl thing, but man, yeah. he's, he's, he went on and on about his love for Lenny. I think that was, that was awesome. It was totally caught me off guard too. Wow. So at least, at least we've, we've figured out that all roads lead to Lenny. Lashley. All roads lead to Lenny. <laughs> oh, Lenny, if you listen to this, all roads. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, um, that that once again, that was something that happened out of me going over to Europe. I mean, obviously, that opened up a lot of doors for me. And you know, I could never. I mean, I, I'm just so grateful for the Dropkick Murphys, what they've done for me. You know, I mean, you know, they they they're good people. That they're, they're great to be on the road with. And um, Chuck's. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm going out with Chuck. It was just a connection through that whole thing in Europe and man, 
That's pretty cool, huh? And Chris Creswell's no slouch either. Chris Creswell, no, that, oh, he, that oh, no, kid no. can write a song. I call him a kid. He's like 32, but uh, that kid can write a song. Well, I, I thought he was a little older. He's only 32, huh? I'm pretty sure if my Matt, yeah, I think he's only like 32. I like the whole band is all the same age and they're all, I think they're all like a decade younger than me. Yeah. Oh man, I'm getting old. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I was quite literally. So what I was doing 10 minutes before is looking at old dying scene sessions. We used to have a guy that uh, recorded acoustic sessions for a lot of singer songwriters. And, and he did one with two of the guys from the flatliners. And I think it was like, 11 years ago 10 or 11 years ago and i just happened to look at the video just before we started this conversation and my lord chris creswell looks like he's 14 it's like oh god wow but he, yeah. he was and he was probably i would say he was probably 20 or 21 he just looked like a kid he's baby-faced anyway but but he's he's another one of my favorite songs like I genuinely wish I could go to Europe and just follow that tour between you and Creswell and Chuck. That's an amazing tour. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, ugh, trust me. I think about it. I'm still, I like actually when he announced it again, like a month ago, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm still on this tour. That's good. You know, I was like, really, like I was bummed out because all these things was just like canceling and going away. Sure. Like, oh, please don't let this one go. Away. Cause I, I, I love Chuck Rigg and, you know, and, and, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I just dig his whole vibe, right? You know, I mean, you follow him on Instagram and he's like, well, it's like fly fishing or something like that, correct? And it's like, you know, like, it's just the real deal as far as I'm concerned. I, I feel like that, you, you know, what you get from him is just Chuck Reagan. You're not getting anything else, right? So I'm yep. really forward to it, but you never know, you know. I mean, I haven't been on the road with him yet, but I'm thinking it's going to be yeah i think that'll be a good one um let's talk i don't want to take jesus we're at like an hour now i don't want to take up your whole evening <laughs> but let's talk a little bit more about the album because again that's kind of what we were going to talk about and we made it to an hour we mentioned it a couple of times but like i said the, the new album is called heartache and love when did uh when did the real writing process for this album come together did it come to you through quarantine or were you working on it before or? i um when I came home from Europe, I wrote that song, Heartache and Love. And um, I went into the studio and I, and I messed around. I recorded. And I wasn't really thinking about it. And um, I put it away and I was, um, I posted like a clip of it online on Instagram and, and someone hit me up that's in the music world and was pretty impressed by it and, and said, hey man, that's really cool. You're working on a new album. And I, uh, I said, no, I'm not, but it, it like got my wheels turning, you know, and, and, um, I stopped throwing around some ideas with that person and because of COVID, it just kind of, it, it, it went, it just went sour. I don't, not in a bad way, sour, just, yeah, you know, yeah. it just, COVID stopped everything. That's, yeah. that's how it should. It, it couldn't happen. Yeah. yeah. But I, I said to myself, all right, maybe, maybe that will happen some other time down the road. Just wasn't meant to be right now, but I didn't want to stop writing. So I, you know, I kept writing songs and, um, Brian Charles, who did my previous album that was, you know, it was mainly done live, was uh, had a studio open and, and we were able to um, do a lot of social distancing and, and do it like under the COVID restrictions, you know. So I just went in, started writing music and um, next, you know, I had an album and, and 
I was pretty happy. You know, I, in between that, I went in and did a, a little, um, like two song single with them. And I, I really liked that. That was just a live thing. It was great. I put it out, had a good time. And, and, and I just didn't want to stop making music. I figured if I was going to be like held up and not playing shows, I was going to make an album. And, and I did. And I'm pretty proud of that album. You know, Brian Charles Zippa Studios, he produced it. And um, I think he mixed The Weekend Friends. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixed their album. I think one of them might have produced it, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I have an album and... I, you know, I was able to um, stay creative, right? You know, and and um, I don't know if that had anything to do with the Americana Artist of the Year thing. I don't know. I mean, that was pretty weird, too. I know we talked about that before we came on. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty strange to wake up and see my name, you know, there with Lenny, by the way, and amongst many other talented musicians, too. And, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, like, I guess... I just did what I knew how to do and I just made music. Right. You know, and I'm pretty happy with most of the album, you know, I, uh, you know, we always, at least I always look back and go, man, I could have done stuff so much different, you know, but I, I I'm still not there with making albums. Right. I'm a, I'm like a live performer. I consider myself a live musician. So like making albums to me, is not new. I've been doing it for a long time, but this was the first one I put a little more stock into it than the other ones, you know, and, I um now I have an album and it's still pretty messed up out there and I haven't been able to go <laughs> well play shows to promote it, but I have an album and then like I said tonight I just um, confirmed a month tour that's going to be you know great. Um, hopefully I can sell some copies of my album, get it out there, and um, keep the ball rolling and. Since I've made that album to now, I've written another album. <laughs> oh wow! So you yeah, haven't stopped. Yeah, I've been on. A, I've, been on a, um, I've been just writing songs, man, and it, and it's good. And it's because I'm living life. You know, when you show up for life, the songs just show up to you. You know, it's like whenever I find myself like um, getting down and be like, oh, why, 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 why am I doing shows like this guy or this girl? And, that's when I'm not doing anything, right? But the minute I let all that go and uh, live life and show up for life and, and do what I know how to do, and that's make music, it all works fine, you know? If that made any sense to you. No, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. Um, did, did the events of the last 18 months, because it hasn't obviously been just uh, the COVID shutdown, although that's been a lot of it, but there's also been a lot of, like a, a sea change uh, in the Black Lives Matter movement, in the defending the police movement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the sort of social justice issues that sort of came to the forefront because they had to, because we were all stuck at home. So we had nothing to do but watch TV and doom scroll Twitter all the time. So we could actually watch this shit as it happened and not just put it in the background. But you've obviously always been a guy that had his sort of ear to the to the street that way. Did that sort of lend itself to songwriting, making things either harder or easier because you had so much to sort of pull from? I mean, I kind of always, I write from the perspective of what I'm seeing, you know, and it doesn't, and for me, it doesn't always mean like, Hey, this is what I stand for. And this is what I know. Sometimes it's from that perspective. Right. And, um, and, um, 
you know, for some reason, when you write something that has like a protest feeling or a message, people automatically think you're political. Right. And I am. I'm not going to go down that road. I mean, I have my 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 ideology, but you know, like I like I keep that pretty private, even though probably nobody talking to me, you know, that I, I certain things I, we probably meet on something. Sure. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I write from that perspective. Usually when I'm writing, it's something that's going on around me. I mean, it, it was hard, you know, it was hard to, it was hard to like see all this going on. And not that I've written a lot of songs that are protesty sort of songs, but I always got a little bit of a hidden message in there. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. how I feel like, you know, I'm not going to cram it down your throat, but I'm definitely going to let you know that it might be bothering me a little bit, or I might have, something to say about something, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand down and, you know, see things going on around me that are wrong and not say anything about them. Cause I'm not, I'm not so articulate where like, you know, I can get up uh, and, and sometimes get it across by talking to you. Right. But sometimes in music, I can get stuff across that I want to, you know, so I guess it's just a, a complex way of saying yeah. that. I mean, I think that obviously if people are paying attention to your songwriting, they can get it. It might not be in your face, like you said, but at the same time, like you can't really, you can't really come from the tree of Joe Strummers and the Johnny Cashes and the, and those guys and Woody Guthrie's and whatever, and not have the ability or not have the, and not say something, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't follow in those sort of footsteps. I know that those are big footsteps. It's like comparing a quarterback to Tom Brady because those guys are like, (laughs) but, but you can't really follow in those footsteps and not be saying something, you know? I I agree. You know, it's just like, you you know, you're trying to carry the torch, right. Is really what you're trying to do. Like, I mean, and, and for me right now in life, in a lot of what's going on and what people's, whatever's going on in people's lives that that torch is dim right now right (laughs) i gotta relight that torch i just want to be one of the people that you know maybe down the road i say hey man i was on the right side of history and i tried you know and i'm not saying what i believe in and what i don't believe in i'm just saying that like i always like to think that i'm going to carry a torch and question things right even if 10 years from now i look back and say Wow, it was a real dope to think that way. Yeah, At least, sure. yeah. Something in me said this is wrong, or man, maybe we could change this. And I don't know, you know. I mean, that's just how I've always, always been. You know, I, I I've been like that since I've been a kid. You know, and it's just like, I don't know. You got to question everything, right? <laughs> if you don't question things, then I don't know. I. I that's what the boss tones taught us in 93 question the answers right like the yeah the, absolutely the boston police car on the front of the album like that's without saying it that's what like question the shit that's going on around you come to your own conclusions but you know ask the questions and do the work and and I, one thing i appreciate that you said is that you're at least open to maybe 10 years down the road you go oh i had the wrong point of view on that but at least you're open to say yeah i had the wrong point of view on that like some people stick to those guns till yeah well past when they should have yeah it's like my it's not you know for me it's not my way of the highway right it never has been you know it's just like even tonight you know um right before i got on with you i'm scrolling through the phone and unfortunately i'm scrolling through the phone i'm not even watching news anymore right yeah yeah 
there was another shooting in Michigan. It's like, you know, and once again, I'm not going to get on some um, anti-gun or um, I'm, I, I have my own views on that stuff and I don't expect everyone to live by that. But man, is that sad? You know, it's like that to me, it's just like, why doesn't that open up everyone's eyes? Like, Hey man, I'm not trying to take your guns. I just, just don't want to see this happening anymore. Right. I'm, 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 I'm for making everything work, I guess, you know, like let's meet halfway. Let's meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. There's no middle ground with people. It's like either it's just so polarized. Right. You know? Right. Right. And, and people tend to think that when you start to, uh, when you start to relay, a point of view that's different than theirs, then automatically that puts up walls. And so it means you're against me. Well, it doesn't mean I'm against you. It means that I don't agree with you, but that yes. doesn't mean we can't still have a conversation about it. And like, just because I don't agree with you, doesn't mean that like we can't talk. Yeah. yeah Maybe there are some things that the last four year administration kind of <laughs> changed yeah. that math a little bit in some areas, but, uh, but not in a lot of them. And, and frankly, it's, I mean, it's sad that it took a global pandemic and no kids being in school to get to a point where then there weren't school shootings for a while. I know, yeah. I know. Like, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's sad, you know, I'm, I got, you know, I'm trying to be present and, and I'm trying to be, you know, a walk, uh, an example to my children, you know, and, and I just want them to know that I think about these things. It might, I might have an opinion that they don't like, but I want them to know that I think about it. You know, it's like maybe, you know, I might lean this way on one thing, lean this way on another, but I want, I want my children to know that I'm not like just a one-sided guy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a human being. I'm like, I'm for being, you know, I'm for humanity, I guess, you know, I, I, I come, I, I'm cut from that Joe Strum way of thinking. I think I, if, if, if I got anything out of that clash, it's like, there are some people out there that are real big Clash fans, and I'd like to strip their rights right from them. <laughs> oh man, I've got a list. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. No, there, there absolutely are. There are people that I have had conversations with, let's say within the last calendar year, that uh, that are are known Clash fans, and that you kind of go, boy. You kind of missed the point there, didn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I did yeah. so. Like the the whole Joe yeah. Strummer, like without people, you're nothing. Is one of my favorite Joe Strummer quotes. I've got the sticker is on my back of my laptop. Uh, the, some people didn't quite interpret that the same way, <laughs> and that's I'll leave that there so as to keep everything vague. But <clears throat> wow, man, this is uh, this was great. I mean, I. Uh... We covered a lot of ground there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it was good though. You know, I I I listened to the last couple of ones, the last couple you did, and like I, I think I, you know, I, I watched a few of the Instagram ones and I've always kind of like, you know, I, I always keep my head in the game. I always see what's going on. I mean, you 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 are definitely someone that always tries to keep it moving in the right direction, you know, which is great. I mean, we need more people like you, you know, <laughs> like I I don't like you know, I'd like to be involved, you know, and I, I, uh, I haven't played music outside my own living room or in this case, uh, cause my telly's right next to me. It's on my front porch in years. That's just, hasn't been my thing, but at least this has been my way of sort of 
A, staying creative, but B, being even a little bit involved in the scene and sort of documenting the scene. I, I was talking to a friend a while ago, a few years ago, about not really wanting to take pictures at shows anymore. I was kind of getting tired. And he he plays in a band locally. Uh, and he said, you can't stop doing that. Like, you're, for, you're documenting a scene. Like, there are things that happen that you catch on film that nobody else will. And those are going to be memories to some people to like carry forward, like those specific shows, even if it's just, you know, 70 kids at O'Brien's at a show on a Saturday night or whatever, like, like you're documenting a scene. There's an important, that's an important part of helping it stay alive. And I was like, Oh, well now I feel guilty. I can't ever stop taking pictures at shows. No. <laughs> I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, he's taken some of my favorite pictures from a couple of Rec the Hall shows. I still look at those pictures. Go, I love this picture. You know, it's like you took one of one of my amps that I used to have the um, it said like, uh, no, no, the Irish. Irish need, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that. I forget what they call that. I forget. And I have that on my and I love looking at that picture. And, and, and it's always been such a controversial picture. People think they don't get what I'm saying out of it. You know, and they're always yeah. like. Well, what does that mean? I mean yeah. Just look it up. No, it's just right. like, but I, I mean, you took that picture and there was a couple more that you took that I still look at and I go, wow, man, this is great. I got documentation of this, you know, because I wasn't, there was no one else out there taking pictures of yeah. me that night. Yeah. <laughs> I know? have absolutely no idea what I'm doing either. I just know the stuff that I like to look at. Like, it's nice to take pictures of the bands actually playing, but I also like to take pictures of, of things like that, things on amps or or I have a thing for taking pictures of like guitar players' hands. Yeah. You know, mm. Like there's something to me that's just like, yeah, the face is what you're looking at and what everybody's staring at. But I like taking pictures of guitar players' hands, uh, piano players sometimes, but that's a weird angle. Uh, but it, like, or, or of like the minutes in between songs when they're not necessarily singing, but somebody might be like looking off to the side or stuck in their own head for a little bit. Like I like trying to, catch those things because it's not just i i love taking pictures of bands actually performing too mm -hmm. but i i don't know i like to try to put things together like that to tell a little bit more of a story i don't know where i got that idea from it's just cool to me so i hope other people like it <laughs> people appreciate it man i i mean you know you're a staple in, in the boston music scene i mean people everyone knows everyone knows you you know and like it's 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 great it's it's good i mean I mean, where would you get the great pictures from if there wasn't someone like you down there taking them, right? And it's it's cool, man. It's like uh, I'm glad that things are opening up. I hope they stay that way, you know, and will they? Who knows? I don't know. We don't know. I mean, we keep it in the day, right? As we yeah. We, and, uh, only way I, to live. And I think it's going to kind of maybe go like this for a while. There's going to be months where things are open and months where we have to pull back a little bit and you know, I think we're sort of stuck in the new normal. And I hate to use that terminology, but I think we're stuck in this pattern for a little bit. I think so. It's but it's just a matter of people sort of like, A, what are you personally comfortable with going out and doing? And B, what should the rest of us be comfortable with going out and doing? And so, like, how do we balance those of you that make money or make a living in that industry? And, and you know, that has to be accounted for, too. But. I think we're sort of at a place where we're going to be figuring it out as we go for a while. I think so. 
which is it's not always a bad thing either you know I mean, yeah, right i think a lot of good is actually going to come out of like i say what you will about live streams and i probably od'd on them at some point along the way because <laughs> i had watched so many but i'm sort of glad that they happened and part of me hopes that they don't go away in some capacity because i like you know there might be bands playing together or shows happening that aren't coming around here but if there's a ten dollar live stream option so you can watch whatever lucero at red rocks or jason isbel at the ryman auditorium or a bunch of california punk bands playing in california at a big thing that's not going to come out here like i like being able to sit on my couch and watch that stuff too 100 percent, you know and I, and I agree i mean i do agree with that tenfold you know like see tim barry he's he's always doing a surprise yeah you know, like, it's pretty cool. Like, he doesn't show up anywhere on social media. And then out of the blue, he's like, I'm doing a stage show where, like, uh, yeah. Thursday night. But, I mean, that's yep. pretty – that's exactly what you would expect from a guy like that, right? Yeah, and like, here's a bunch of, like, Avail-themed Christmas T-shirts. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, that guy's fantastic. I, it, I, mean, I, I played a show with him, like, a couple of years ago, and I, I didn't really get to talk to him. I think I might talk to him for, like, a minute or two, but I could Nobody just Nobody does. Yeah, he, he does it. He does it, like, he's got a weird... I love that man to death. He's got a weird, like, social anxiety thing. Like, he doesn't really like talking at shows and after shows. He just, like, he'll just get out the back door. Yeah, he's in his zone, man. I guess some people need to just be in his zone, you know, but... Hey, that's why we got live streams, because I got... I said, I, I'll probably, I don't know the next time he'll be up this way, but he's, he's done a few live streams in the last year, you know, yep. so I really like to see, you know, and who knows? All I know is I hope that, um, I hope 2022 brings some, um, different things, uh, down the pipeline, you know, and, and I think they will. There's a lot of good bands putting out albums once again, like Michael Kane. I mean, in the morning afters, he's putting out Lenny's going to be putting Lenny out. Lenny has an album that hopefully everybody else gets to hear because it's really friggin' good. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's so good. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure there's a million other bands yeah. putting something out, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for those guys, you know, like I, I know Mike, Mike's been talking about his for a, a long time now and I'm finally glad to see that you can put it out, you know, because <laughs> and then so it's great. It's hard for you guys, and I'll I'll stop recording shortly, but so people can uh, pick up the new yeah. album. I'll put links in the descriptions to where they can buy the album and where they can stream the album as long as that's available, and all the YouTube videos and stuff like that. But they'll go find it, and it'll be out, and cool. and hopefully there's tour dates coming. 